0: Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your DFS preview for this week's Olympic Games. That's right. Uh, It's fun to say. I enjoy it, and we're going to break it all down. Joining me to do just that, Sia
1: Najad is here. Sia, what's up? Rick, I'd be remiss if I didn't congratulate you specifically and the First Cut Pod on the Cam Champ outright. We didn't really talk about it yesterday on the first look. Congratulations to the entire first cut pod team and Rick Gaiman. Uh, uh, you know, I know you had it going so many different ways. So I just had to get that out there before we get into this one.
0: Hey, I completely understand, and thank you. Uh, Greg Ducharme is here, and Greg, you and I spent much of Sunday night uh, trying to describe to Mark how we got onto Cam Champ. Uh, yes. in you know on on Monday, and hey, sometimes things work out
2: look it was worth a shot i mean in in hindsight it wasn't like okay camp champ's gonna win this week it was like hey this is this is worth the chance but see ya just to since we're you know giving everybody congratulations nice shirt by the way um but also uh great color choice it looks great on you um but the other thing is that i wanted to mention um louis oosthuizen you were very clearly right and uh, and i was very clearly wrong and so proud of louie and proud of you for being all over that so um mad props bro wow.
1: thank you thank you very much uh, i was happy about that um happy about our michael gellerman call as a show as well i mean we had some nice we had some nice hits last week so hopefully yeah. we have some this week as well
0: uh, this is quite the warm and fuzzy moment yeah. we're having here. We're just pat- yeah. I'm just patting yeah. everybody on the back here. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, see so has got tennis elbow already from patting everybody on the back. Uh, gentlemen, the Olympic Games. We've got to talk about it. Very interesting situation. We did uh, obviously the first look on Sunday, but now we turn our attention to the full DFS pricing. We can kind of talk about the course a little bit more and the competitors are arriving in Tokyo and they are donning their team colors. So, Greg, let's start with the course, Kasumi Gaseki Country Club, I believe is how it is pronounced. It was redesigned and modernized five years ago. It's a Fazio design. They added 500 yards. They combined the two greens into one. And I am under the assumption uh, that approach play and being able to hit the ball the right number uh, is going to be well rewarded this week.
2: Yes, uh, it absolutely will be. Now, the question is, and the thing we got to figure out, is what is going to allow you to hit the ball the right number? Because I found out, uh, gotten kind of through the, remember on the first look we had that little translation issue where we <laughs> yes. were dealing with firmness and softness, right? Um, and it, it makes sense now. So when it, during this season in Japan, it's a little bit hot and a little bit rainy and that's going to lead to soft conditions. So this will not be firm and fast. It'll be soft. It'll be receptive. Um, And that makes the golf course play longer, but it makes getting the distance right a little bit easier. Um, You think back to the President's Cup where it was really firm and fast. I know that was a long time ago, um, December of 2019. But when it was firm and fast, the great ball strikers were able to get the distance right. When it gets softer, traditionally, guys that um, aren't necessarily – elite in their ball striking can also perform very well uh, TV green. So that'll be interesting to see. I still favor approach. I still think um, great iron players are going to do great. Um, So that's kind of the, the biggest thing that I'm looking at so far this week.
0: Yeah. There's also a, um, a forecast that looks as if, uh, potential rain every single day of the week. And you imagine that's going to soften things up a little bit. See, uh, uh, 59 competitors as of this moment and no cut 72 holes of no cut stroke play action. Does that change the way you are going to approach, uh, some of your picks, some of the guys in your lineup, knowing that there is no risk of of missing the cut and going home on Friday.
1: Absolutely. I mean, it really lends itself to a stars and scrubs approach because you know that if you're, let's say, 6K guys, and I, I make make that plural for a reason, if they have a bad Thursday or Friday, it's not that it doesn't matter. You want them to be good, but they're going to be playing the next two days regardless, unless, of course, there's a withdrawal, which which obviously can happen in this day and age. But with that said, I really think if, if you can look for guys in, let's say, the 6K or low 7K range that you wouldn't ordinarily play because the the miscut equity is just too high, but guys that can maybe really go low. You know, I've looked at some guys and we'll talk about them later in the show that have been missing cuts here and there and making cuts, but the miscuts, you might see like a 64 and like a 75. So the ability to go low, you know, okay, a bad day is fine. If you, if you can really be a a score the next day. So I'm definitely looking for a stars and scrubs approach. I don't think a, a balanced lineup is necessarily a bad idea. If you really like the guys, like there's plenty of guys in, the 7 and 8k range that might really do well here but you absolutely can go stars and scrubs so I'll be doing that a little bit more than I would normally on on a standard cut event
0: all right, well, let's let's just jump right into the stars. I'll pull up the cheat sheet here. This is my website. It's rickrungood.com. I love it. I think you will too. And there are six golfers over $10,000 here, Greg. And luckily, um, you know, the news of the John Rahm and Bryson DeChambeau WD took place before the pricing came out. So we don't have a pricing void or kind of like a na- it would have created these natural gaps and ownership would have been all wacky and it would. Cause this whole big thing, uh, but we don't have that, which is good. And it's Colin Morikawa who is the most expensive golfer; he's eleven thousand two hundred dollars. Justin Thomas at ten nine, Xander at ten seven. Then the bottom of the ten thousand dollar range is Hideki Matsuyama in his home country, Rory McIlroy, and then Bryson DeChambeau's replacement, Patrick Reed. Is ten thousand one hundred. What do you see when you look at the top uh, six golfers on the board?
2: Uh, a lot of guys I
0: want in my lineup. <laughs>
2: uh, that's what I see. I mean, this is the this is why I see is. Stars and scrubs approach work so well because Colin Morikawa. I mean, think about the things we've discussed uh, great iron play, guys yeah. that are going to make a lot of birdies, I, I think are going to do well. So, you look at a Colin Morikawa, a Justin Thomas, uh, a Xander Shoffley, even those guys are great iron players. Those are the guys you want on your team. And you look at Rory McElroy, he hits the ball so high, most of his victories come on really soft uh, they come in soft conditions uh, and his apex is going to go a long way so i expect rory to have a distance advantage uh, right. because he carries it so far you're not going to get a lot of roll in the fairways so carry distance will be really important uh, and he, he stands out in that group so i see basically um and then hideki matsuyama just to briefly talk about him think about the masters that he won, what he did on that Saturday afternoon after a rain delay, when the golf course softened up a little bit, he just went attacking whole locations. He went attacking flags. So he's very good in that mindset. So I I look at, I'm not huge on Patrick Reed this week. um, But I, I, when I look at everybody up until, uh, until Reed, I don't think you can go wrong. Um, You could convince me on any, my personal favorite, is justin thomas and um and and i the one thing on hideki is what's the pressure gonna do is it gonna and as to go with paul azinger right is is it gonna build a diamond is it gonna build a diamond or burst the pipe you've heard that that line doesn't come from me but but what's gonna happen with hideki on that front so i think thomas is my favorite player in this range um rory has my interest as well
0: it's funny you mentioned Justin Thomas. And there are actually other guys in this field who uh will talk about the the pressure implications that the two South Korean players, Hideki Matsuyama, certainly playing kind of different games uh this week. But it's I think it's interesting you got to Justin Thomas here. And and I think I kind of did to see us. So it is very early. We don't know how this ownership is going to play itself out. I love Colin Morakow at the top. I assume everybody does. I assume everybody loves Xander Shoffley, 10,700. And it leaves Justin Thomas in this really kind of sandwich pricing. And if you talk about a golf course that should reward approach players, uh, a small field, no cut event in which nine of 14, just uh, of, of nine of Justin Thomas's 14 PGA Tour victories are small field, no cut events.
1: Is he your leverage play in the ten thousand dollars? He's certainly a leverage play, and, and he would be the leverage play in the ten thousand dollar this elite range. But uh, I still kind of don't love it. And, and the only reason is, and I understand where you're going with Justin Thomas, but it, you know the game really hasn't all been there. And, and and I know it's one of those things where well Justin Thomas can find his game at any moment, but you know the putting hasn't been very good. Uh, the the approach play has been okay. Um, he's not finding a ton of fairways. So when I when I look at him versus, and I I get it. He's contrarian versus probably like a Colin or a Xander. So I understand why you'd want to play him. But I love Colin so much in this tournament. I, I, so, so it's really I. hard. And, <laughs> and, and, and I like Xander a lot too um, for so many different reasons. But I mean, you know, no matter how you look at Colin Morikawa, whatever angle, whatever narrative you want to play. Narrative gained Olympics. I've I've built that model out. We'll talk about it on the show. But the point is, is Colin ranks out like number one everywhere. I mean, Mm -hmm. whether you're looking at, uh, you know, strokes gained approach. Again, let's say last 24 rounds, one. Ball striking, one. Uh, Maybe you want to go to birdie or better gained, number one. Strokes gained par four. Guess what? it's number one. So I, I'm granted, I'm cherry picking some stats here, but they're all like the really important stats, right? So I, I don't know how you kind of get away from Colin and, and obviously, you know, it's his first Olympics, but that that's not going to be a problem. Colin Morikawa. So I, I can't really get away from Colin, which is why I don't think I can get to JT because I would have him third in line behind Colin and Xander.
2: Um, he, he, by the way, I so see yeah, it's pretty much everybody's first Olympics. And yeah. one other thing real quick. Yeah,
1: Greg, good <laughs> yeah. point.
2: <laughs> right. Real, real real quick on uh, on Morikawa as well. What We mentioned the soft conditions. A lot of reports I've heard have said the greens will be a little bit on the slow side. And slow greens will benefit. Um, I think they benefit guys that aren't necessarily the greatest putters. And if Colin Morikawa fits that mold. Justin Thomas does too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I really like that. But Xander, I don't like the greens for Xander because of... Even though he's just so steady, again, like I said, you can't go wrong with him. But the arm lock, the regular putting—where, where is he going to be with the putting? That's the one question I have for Xander, speed-wise.
0: Yeah, I am. Um, I mean, cow, if you like the approach metric—he laps the field. He just laps it. I mean, the gap between him and the next closest guy is 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 insane. Um, So I'm I'm happy to live in the upper ten thousand dollar range. If I have to take a stand on somebody and avoid um, Xander, so be it. If I have to avoid Hideki, so be it. it. It it brings us to the to the bottom of the range here, Sia. I think you know Rory is always interesting because no matter how well he plays, we seemingly think he's not playing well. You know what I mean? He finished, he finished, uh, he, he almost, he he was in contention at Torrey Pines late on Sunday. And we're like, ah, he hasn't played well in a while. Like, no, that's, that's not true. Uh, and then Patrick Reed, you know, the thing with Reed, he gets to don the, the stars and stripes Sia, but um, he is going to show up in Tokyo like Wednesday afternoon. And he's basically going to go uh, blind into, into this golf course on Thursday morning.
1: Yeah, it's a lot of travel. It's just it's just a lot that's going to be on Patrick Reed and given that his game isn't super pristine compared to the guys around him, I I like him strictly as a contrarian play, but I don't I really truly don't expect him to do nearly as well as as the other guys we mentioned in this range.
0: Hmm. Um okay, let's let's hop on down to the $9,000 range here. It's uh it's small. There's only 50 50- eight or nine golfers in this field, Victor Hovland, Shane Lowry, Paul Casey, Abraham answer, Joaquin Neiman and sung J M. So Greg, this is our first opportunity to see a South Korean. We talked about it on, uh, the first, the first look we've talked about a couple of weeks ago, the way to get out of mandatory mandatory military service in uh, South Korea, which is two years long. One of the ways is to win a medal. Doesn't matter what color, win a medal. And uh based on the actions of Sung J M and Si Woo Kim to uh to forego the open championship and play this event, you know this this is their biggest event. This is their major of all majors. This is their opportunity. You talked about pressure with Hideki Matsuyama. Here we have it again with Sung J M.
2: Yeah, you look at a a career like of Sang Moon Bay, and he had won twice on the PGA Tour, and was developing. He had in 2015 he had qualified for um, he he qualified for the Tour Championship for the first time, and he was really trending upwards. And then he had to go and um, and and serve his military deal, and he hasn't really been the same since. Um, and, and just from, you just hope they can come back from a golf. I mean, remember there it's military service. It's not like you're just not playing golf for a year and a half, two years, whatever. I think it's 18 months. Um, you know, you're risking your life. So it's a big deal. It's a, the value is a lot worth is is worth a lot more than any one tournament. Um, the, the value of this Olympics now, because it gives you a great opportunity. So, um, so Sung J M, well, what do we think of his chances? It, it's a lot of pressure. Although Sung Jae does have another chance, assuming all goes as planned for the Olympics. Right. Um, so it's this is not his last chance, like it is for Siwoo Woo Kim. Um, now, the one thing that really sticks out in my mind about Sung Jae M is one he's he's been a great ball striker before. Uh, he's putting pretty well this year, but you think about the Masters in November, and that was. Uh, again a soft masters and he played great so i really i i have a really strong feeling that you're going to see a great tournament from sung jm i think he's going to step up i think he's put he's got all of his eggs in this basket and i think he's going to um, I, I think he's going to perform. I almost like that. He had a little bit extra time off, uh, instead of playing every single week, the way that he normally does. I, I like that. I think it's a, I think it's a good thing. You can really get focused and really get to know the golf course and really get prepared. And I think that's what you're going to see out of Sung Jm.
0: I led you to the Sung JM question here, Greg. So, uh, without leading you
2: anywhere, is there anyone else in the $9,000 range that moves the needle for you? Uh, uh, back to the top of it. So is at the bottom, who I love. Back to the top, I also love Victor Hovland yeah. um, for many reasons. Um, one, I, I still think Victor Hovland is maybe oh. the best ball striker in the field. Um, probably in, that's probably a little extreme, but he's Close. definitely right there in the mix, okay. right? You combine his off the tee game and his iron play game, and and it's great. And he's been overshadowed a little bit by, and rightly so, by Colin Morikawa and all the success he's had. But many, for many of the same reasons, he's going to have the benefit of the slower greens as well. He's going to have um, that going for him. He's 19th for the year strokes gain approach. He's sixth off the tee. But the other thing is his form is... Been pretty good. I mean, he had the the withdraw, the forced withdrawal from the U.S. Open because of the sand in the eye. The PGA was not great in the middle rounds. But you go back to May, I mean, he was on a, a, a real good streak. Back-to-back top threes at the Wells Fargo and the Valspar. And he just played a great Sunday round at the Open Championship, um, leading to a tied 12th finish. So I I think Victor Hovland's going to come out rare and ready to go and um, give Colin a run for his money.
0: Greg mentioned the uh, the ball striking metric. This is an unofficial stat that we've kind of taken two official stats and put them together. So if you take strokes gained off the tee, you, t- you add it with strokes gained approach, you get strokes gained ball striking. And since the start of 2021, only two golfers in this field have been better than Victor Hovland uh, when they have as many rounds as he does. That's Colin Morikawa and it's Corey Connor. So you are absolutely right, Greg. He is top tier in the ball striking category category so see i'll throw this over to you uh we've hit the top of the 9k range we've hit the bottom of the 9k range is there anybody i could sell you in the middle of the 9k range i mean give me paul
1: casey speaking oh, of yeah striker, <laughs> there you go there we good go job. <laughs> uh, sorry i i interrupted the lead there um paul no i i do like paul casey a lot and you know he's been okay lately but he is a good ball striker and and that's kind of what i'm leading on here and and to what to what Greg was talking about, about the putter. I mean, I also think these slower greens might help a Paul Casey as well, because his putting hasn't been very good lately. So uh, I, I like Victor Hovland as well. Um, I like Sung J M as well. I'm going to be playing some Sung Jm And I know I mentioned Joaquin Neiman yesterday, but, and, and I do kind of like him, but I think I like Hovland, Casey and Sung Jay the most in this range.
0: I'm pretty bullish on Neiman, maybe more from a, um, an outright perspective. I'm not actually, I'm not sure. I, I mean, I think that he is better than people, uh, want to give him credit for, but this is a really stacked range and you're going to have to draw lines in some places. And I, I love Hovland. Um, I'm even pretty interested in Abraham answer who outside of Tory pines in the open championship have, have, has been unbelievable. I, I, I wonder if he can, you know. I, I worry about the wet conditions and how that might negatively impact him, but there, there's a lot going on here, Greg. I mean, this nine K range is, is stocked with anything that you could want. Um, so it's kind of hard to start drawing some hard lines on these guys.
2: I, the one thing about Neiman that I really like, that's different than Hovland different than uh, he's a really good putter. He's having a great putting year. Um yes. he's 23rd, 23rd for the year in strokes game putting, which um, I, again, I, I don't think it's the most important thing this week statistically that you're a great putter going in that that's going to mean you're going to have a great putting week, but it definitely is a, a plus in my book, and the other thing is he makes a lot of birdies, he's 18th in birdie average. So, um, it's nothing that Paul Casey and Sung J.M. and uh, um, and you hear all the time, Sung J.M. leads the tour in total birdies, but partly because of play, but he, he makes yeah. a lot of birdies every round as well. Um, but but I like Joaquin for those reasons, so I, I really. Sia, so, yeah, do you think he's going to be a low, lower owned in this range? Would he be kind of a contrarian play where you could get some value out of it? Because, I mean, he's right there with those guys, in my opinion.
1: I, I wouldn't say he'd be lower owned. I think everybody in this range is going to be pretty high owned. I, I, I don't know. I wonder if people are going to come around to to Shane Lowry. But outside of that, I think all of these guys are going to be similar, just, you know, three to four percentage points apart. So th- they'll all be kind of owned, but not. I don't think any of them are going to be over owned.
0: Okay. I think there's gonna be a lot of Sung Jay love. I just think people said we waited five years for this. I'm not gonna miss out on the FOMO of like, what if this guy just goes out and wins the whole thing? Yeah. <laughs> like everybody loves a good narrative, everybody loves Sung Jay, but it is, it is gonna be interesting, and we'll learn more as the week goes on. Um, okay, this is where we start to get into some really interesting situations. Uh the field starts to fall off a cliff. I think the AKs are okay. Sevens we've got to talk about in sixes, there's there's value that needs to be parsed through. Uh, and we'll get to that. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution Through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking a, a lot of golf holes that I play. So, if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there, and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order, plus free shipping. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash card. And we're back. The $8,000 range. It's uh, guys you, you've you heard of, guys you know. It's Cam Smith, Corey Connors, Christian Bezadenho, Tommy Fleetwood. Uh, goes down to Mark Leishman and Guido and Garrick and Alex Nor and Thomas Peters and Mackenzie Hughes. And to me, Greg and correct me if I'm wrong, this feels like the last tier of guys that have realistic win equity. Would you agree Ooh. with that
2: sentiment? Um, yes. Well, I definitely don't think there's win equity below. Question is is the is there really win equity in this? Okay. One? Where would like, you draw the
1: line? Is there a- it was such a tough question. We we yeah. froze up. <laughs> that's actually a really good point though. I mean, if, I mean, can the, can the, I mean, I think Cameron Smith and Corey Connors could potentially win, but outside of that, I mean, as much as I like Guido Migliozzi and some of these other guys, I mean, Christian, can he win in this field? I'm not so sure.
0: Leishman wins at a rate that I always think is way too high for him, right? He won at Torrey Pines. He won the team event with Cam Smith. uh, Like, yeah, maybe I draw the line Maybe I draw the line at Leishman. I'd like to draw the line above Leishman, but I think maybe I have to draw it below Leishman. It's kind of where I'm at. Greg, we we got you. We got okay, you back. So
2: I, I'm sorry, I dropped out. I was spinning a little bit. Anyway, <laughs> I, I think I think I would draw the line at Garrett Higgo. Forgive okay. me if you guys just said that, but mm-hmm. no. just because he's won so much, it's what Kyle talks about a lot. Uh, I would say there's a chance, although I don't think it's likely that he gets a a win. He's got three win what three wins since february so yeah two on the european tour back-to-back weeks i believe they were and then the
0: uh palmetto was the one on the pga tour
2: nearly right. nearly back-to-back yeah. weeks you had it uh in april um but they were both in um what the canary islands if that's how you say it canary canary you had the you had the grand Canaria open and the canary islands championship but he did have another event in between there got it um but anyway where he came in eighth so it was a really good streak for him so yeah there's a chance that that he could get it done although the play of late since winning on the pga tour hasn't really been great his best finishes uh 41st at the rocket mortgage classic so i don't necessarily love that
0: Okay, so uh, see, uh, let's take a crack at this eight K range. I'm I'm not nearly as excited about it as I was the nines, and at least the sevens offer you a little bit more value. So for me, it's a little
1: bit of a dead zone. Do you find something here? It's not as much of a dead zone as the seven K range. That's for sure. Uh, you know, Cam Smith is one of those guys. I haven't really been playing him quite as much, but you know, his finishes aren't, haven't been that great. But he's you know he's the type of guy that I think has actually some win equity. I mean, if, to answer that question, I, I think. Win equity, win equity argument probably goes to Cam Smith. If I really wanted to stretch it, I'd go to Guido Migliosi. And, and that's the other guy I really like in this 8K mm. range. I would say I like Cam Smith, don't love him. I like Guido Migliosi and I like Mackenzie Hughes. And Migliosi's just been, I mean, we talk about how Higo's been good. Well, Migliosi's been really good too. Now he missed the yeah. at the open. Okay. No big deal. But in since, really since May, he's been really good, whether it's on American soil or European soil or on the European tour he's been really good so I think that's a guy that actually has you know there's very few guys that I think have value in this tournament but in terms of if you look at the price and you're like oh that's that's actually pretty good I, I think Guido Migliosi actually presents some value as far as Mackenzie Hughes I just think he pops and I think he's been playing really well lately so I think there might be some value there obviously a great putter as well
0: yeah, so a couple of good putters there for Sia. Cam Smith, uh, 12th on tour in strokes gained putting. Ben Kress is one of his better surfaces. And then Hughes, uh, yeah, I don't think you're going to get much pushback on Mackenzie Hughes from from Greg or, or Greg or I. It is a situation where he can get absolutely scorching hot with the putter. He was one of the guys who slept on the 54-hole lead at Torrey Pines. That Sunday looked a lot worse than it really was. Has bounced back. He's played well recently. It, it's a little bit dependent on the flat stick, but – um, he has, he could definitely move up a leaderboard in a hurry. Greg, when you look at this 8k range and you try to figure out who, or if any of these guys are going to be making your lineups, who are you circling here?
2: Uh, Corey Connors first and foremost, um, more so than Cam Smith for me. Again, my lean this week is just going to ball striking and you look at what Corey Connors does. It's Hard to find a better guy, especially in this range. He's ninth in strokes gain off the tee for the year. He's ninth strokes gain approach the green. I knew he was going to have a good open championship. And I just um I didn't pull the trigger. Sunday didn't go great, which kind of saved me a little bit. But it, um 15, he was he came in fifteenth. And that was kind of a rebound from some average form. But again, we're going to a place with a little bit slower greens, uh, a little bit easier on the greens for a guy like Corey Connors. I think it could really help him improve. Um, And I also think this is the kind of place where he can hit a lot of greens and his weakness, which is short game, I don't think is going to come into play quite as much. Uh, Perhaps you'll hit it in some bunkers when you miss greens, but. They're big greens as it is, and they're soft greens. And I think a guy like Corey Connors, who's 11th on the year in greens regulation, is just going to have like 65 birdie putts in <laughs> o- across over the four. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he hit 65 greens. That'd be which is just would be so many.
0: <laughs> That's a lot. He's still going to, he's going to hit a ton of greens. I'd be surprised if it was 65 out of 72, yeah. but uh, it, it is going to be quite a, a, few, a lot of them. And what I find, what I find actually really interesting with Corey Connors, and you can tell that Greg is laying this foundation of the type of player that he wants, right? He wants ball strikers. And if you're a bad putter, Hey, maybe that gets a bit neutralized on, on these greens. You can see Greg laying the blueprint here. What I also think is very interesting about Corey Connors. Sia, is we went through, like the spring of Corey Connors. He was the hottest thing in DFS. Everyone was betting him every single week. His ownership was pushing 25%. He did nothing wrong. He did nothing wrong, but because he didn't cash a winning ticket or do whatever, uh, his ownership is actually coming back down to earth. If you look at it, at him, two starts go at U.S. Open, he was 9.5% owned. You look at his most recent start, the Open Championship, 4.2% owned. Have we just grown tired
1: of using Corey Connors? It's a really good question. I think for the sake of the Olympics, I think the answer is going to be yes. I think mm. the ownership is going to be down and it. And it's not because of any really good reason, other than the fact that I think at 8,800, he's in a really weird spot for people to want to take him, especially if they go the stars and scrubs approach. Like I just don't, even yeah. if you're building a balanced lineup, it's, and I've built a few, it's hard to get Cordy Connors in your lineup as much as you might like him, which is why I've, of course, lean towards some of that bottom 8K range with Guido and Mackenzie Hughes. So I, I I agree with the Corey Connors play, and, and I agree that that short game is going to be minimized, especially around the green, because these greens are massive, and he's probably going to be hitting greens. It's just a matter of whether he's on the right part of the green for his putt. But yeah, I mean, he does seem like a smart play. I get it. I'm saying
2: at least at least 65 grains of regulation. Right, I mean, would you like to place like <laughs> no, a, like, like, a George teasing. Washington
0: on this? Like, I, I mean, would
2: No, but I would say, I, I mean, the more I hear you guys talk, the more I want to build my lineup around Corey Connors. I, I want to force him in my lineup. And I mean, I know I'm totally with you, Sia. If you love the top guys and you want to go heavy stars and scrubs, I agree it's really hard to get him in there. Um, which was a struggle as I was kind of messing around earlier. But I think there's a way and a path to start with Corey Connors um, and see, see what you can come up with.
0: I just wrote down Corey Conner sixty five greens in regulation. You know what's going to happen, Greg? Is he's going to hit every single one, and there's going to be no stat tracking for it, and they're not (laughs) they're not going to tell us, and we're going to have no idea how many greens he hit. That's what's really going to happen here. For the record, oh no, I didn't even (laughs) think about that.
2: Sixty five out of seventy two is ninety percent. Somebody last week hit eighty six percent at um at three M. It was
0: probably it, Sergio who was just running, who could not putt and was hitting everything. I
2: don't know who it was. Oh, uh, I gotta think about it. It was um, Gellerman. No, maybe. I mean, I, they. I, I, mean, I don't know that 8. they 6 did
0: six strokes on approach. I don't know what his greens and regulation yeah. number was. I'd have to it's pull it. Pretty up.
2: good. No, somebody. It, it'll hit me,
1: but I can't think of it right now. Eight point uh, six is about what Camp Champ uh, Camp Champ gained putting, by the way, which is just bananas. By yeah, by it was so oh, good. This is so good. <laughs> uh
0: well, now I'm here, so I'm just gonna do the greens and regulation. Uh, thing, okay, so.
2: just take a look. I got you over there.
0: Let me see. Oh, I got the wrong leaderboard. I need performance. Okay, I'm coming. Here we go. This is great television. Greens and regulation. Yep. Louis U stays and hits who it was. 62 of them. Uh so 62 out of 72. Quite a yeah. few.
2: Yeah. Uh that's a lot. And so again, back to Sia. Kudos for you. Back to the warm and fuzzies. But I think Corey Connors beats it. I think he hits more than sixty-two. No way. But I
0: like. I I like it. But no way.
2: It's aggressive. It's really aggressive.
0: The seven thousand dollar range, Sia. This is. A mixed bag. These are guys that we see and we like to bet on routinely on the PGA Tour. Enter Siwoo Kim, Sebastian Munoz, Shawnee Vegas has been popular. And then you start to get some guys that we might not see as often. Antoine Rosner, Thomas Dietrich, Raikouya Hoshino, and Rasmus Hoygaard. I mean, this is where we really start to blend – your normal regular PGA tour players with guys that are 200, 300 ranked in the world.
1: Yeah. And it it makes it this, this range is so tough. I think the guys that really pop off the page to most people that'll be making lineups are, we talked about one of them yesterday, Mito Pereira. I think obviously he is on fire right now. I mean, he, he he comes out, he misses the cut, and we talked about this last week how there's just been a natural uh progression where he has just started to dominate and that that really bore out last week as well. I think him and Jonathan Vegas are going to be really popular guys because the ball striking for both of them has been really good. They they seem to be guys that will be able to score over four rounds. I worry about them both because of that, the same travel issues we talked about with Patrick Reed. I mean, it is it is grueling. It's, it's it's not nothing that you just finish a tournament and then you fly 18 hours to Tokyo. And then by the way, they're 13 hours ahead. So not okay. only have you lost 13 hours, but it's, let's say you land at like 10 o'clock PM Eastern Standard Time. Well, well guess what? It's 11 o'clock AM the next day already. So you are completely mixed up from a just adjustment standpoint. I think that's something does that mean I'm not going to play Jonathan Vegas and Mita Pereira? Probably not. But but I, I do need to point out that I think they're going to be very highly owned. So for me, I'm, I'm just wondering where the pivots are. And there's just not much for me to choose from. I think Sebastian Munoz is interesting. Um, the thing that really plagues Sebastian Munoz is the around the green game, which, again, it should be neutralized to some degree. So I think that's an interesting, quote, pivot. I think maybe Carlos Ortiz deserves some consideration. Outside of that, I really do not like the 7K range.
0: Well, if uh, Corey Connors is hitting 90% of the greens, then Munoz will hit 80% of them and we'll, he'll be fine around the greens. Uh, I, I, think, I think Greg, Sia, Sia has a point here. There's one guy who I will reveal shortly who I'm like, Maybe I could pivot here. I'm not super stoked about it, but there's there's going to be some clear-cut um, uh, popular plays. It's going to be Siwoo Kim. It's going to be Johnny Vegas. It's going to be Mito Pereira. And there's not a lot of confident pivots off of those guys.
2: No, uh, I I totally agree. Guy that has my interest to some degree is, um, is Detri. Um, I think I got that at least close to right, but just D-tree, the but close to yeah. Okay. That's right. Um, but his performance at the Scottish open was yeah. really impressive to me and I got to watch a little bit of it, which definitely gives me a little bit more interest. So I, I do like him in that. He also came in second in the Porsche European open. Um, now these are, these are solid European tour events. It's been some solid play mixed in with some missed cuts, but what happened at the open championship? He shoots 72, 74. Is it just a little too much pressure? I played great last week. Now I go to the Scottish open, or now I go to the open championship and I'm ready for a major. Uh, okay. Maybe I guess I'm not, I guess I'm not ready for that. Am I ready for the Olympics? I don't know. So again, I'm, I'm with you guys. I don't feel really confident, but I like that there's been at least some really, really good form leading in. So I am a, I am a fan of that. Um, But past that, I mean, I, I almost think, I I almost think there's a way to avoid the range entirely.
1: There is is the, 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 I mean, the, the, but I think the bigger thing there, Greg is, is can you, can you play somebody there and just be different? You know what I mean? Because we do have a condensed field. We do have a couple of guys that we're probably all going to be yeah. taking that are that are pretty chalky. So it's just one of those things. Like if you if you have the right pivot in the seven K range, you are really one upping the field there because not like the guys we discussed. Nobody really likes them outside of Mito and Vegas. Yeah. What about Carlos Ortiz? Ortiz? What about
2: Carlos Ortiz?
1: oh uh, yeah, I like Ortiz.
2: I mean, I he's I know a- he's he's uh, seventy nine. He's at the very top of the board, but. I mean, he may, it may be unfair to say he can't win. He, he, he's won on the PGA Tour. He could, he could win an event like this. I mean, it, I know, I know it's a really, it's full of heavy hitters on the top, but the Houston Open that he won, he beat Dustin Johnson. He was playing the best golf that we've ever, some of the best golf we've seen in the last 10 years. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe he's got a chance. The form hasn't been great coming in. So again, here's your guy. Here's your pivot. Um,
0: I don't love it, but I don't hate it. Antoine Ross. So he has a very small sample size of strokes gain metrics. Uh, Of the sample size that he has, his last three, gained seven and a half strokes on approach at the PGA Championship and missed the cut, which is actually hard to do. That was in two rounds. Uh, Gained eight and a half strokes on approach at the Memorial, finished 18th, made the cut at the Open Championship. We don't know how. He did it there because the strokes gain metrics do not exist twice a winner on the European tour in his last 16 starts Uh, played well at the match play did not make it out of his pod. Uh, I, I don't think this stage is necessarily too big for the 89th ranked player in the world. Someone who competes against these guys and in major championships and in WGCs. And when he's going well strikes it. Well, I think he's the guy you get at low ownership if you want to take a crack at it he shot he he gained how much in the pga seven and a half seven and a half strokes in two rounds two rounds
2: he shot he shot 79 in the first round
0: yeah he lost he he must have um i mean he lost 4.6 around the green he must have like chunked two or like left it he must have made a big number somewhere i think
2: yeah, or hit it into a penalty area off the tee or something. Uh, that is uh, hard to – it's hard to put that together in your mind, but and it's surprising. Hey, I mean, I, I like it just as much as anybody else in this range aside from aside from Mito, um, which I think Sia brings up a really good point uh, about the travel. I, I think that's a really good point.
0: Here's the, here's the Rosner. Okay, so he shot a 79 in round one. On 13, he made a triple in which he, yeah, he chipped from one side of the green over the green into the water. Um, and oh. it, it was, and then it was bad after that. And then he made another triple. So he made two triples on his back nine, a triple on 13, a triple on 16, which was the par five. First shot into the water, left hit his third for, I mean, he made a mess of it around the green too. So yeah. two, two big numbers, which honestly
2: I'd prefer that than, uh, six bogeys in a row. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause that, I mean, that's stuff that's easy to clean up and the, go- this golf course may not present that there are, there are double bogey golf courses, disaster golf courses. And there are, uh, there are bogey golf courses from what i've seen this seems to be more of a mistakes or bogeys not doubles and triples especially when you get softer and slower greens
0: the real value tier the six thousand dollar range c and this is where we start to run out of data on these guys it doesn't necessarily always exist you've got challenge tour players you've got uh japan tour players this is this is where we really have to go and do our homework and find out who these guys are what their strengths are what their weaknesses are and try to you know it's almost like in college basketball right or 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 bowl games where it's like oh uh common opponents you know what events Mm -hmm. were they in and then other people were like try to figure it out that way so uh early in the week
1: what have you found on the six thousand dollar range a few guys i like here two of them are at the top and one of them is at literally the very bottom. Uh, Ryan Fox is one of them, um, yes. uh, representing New Zealand. So Ryan Fox, uh, he can, he's pretty long off the tee. He can it's be a little very way, long off the tee. He team. can be right there. You go. So he can be wayward. Um, you know, he made the cut at the Open. He was 44th at the Scottish Open. Three top 15 finishes in a row in Europe last month. Um, if you go back to the Saudi International, he was sixth. And that was in February. I I just I feel like if you're in the 6K range, you got a guy that's finishing top 15 recently on the European tour and who's making cuts, you know, at the open. It just it just makes sense to me. I mean, he he sounds like the type of guy that probably should be in like that 7500 range, but but he's not. So I like Ryan Fox. Henrik Norlander has just found his game. I mean, Mm -hmm. Henrik Norlander was pretty terrible for, I don't know, eight, nine months. Now he's made five cuts in a row, and again with a guy that's not going to have to worry about leaving early because of a missed cut, I think Norlander can really help your team out from a from a DK scoring point standpoint. T five
0: T five at the Barbasol in his last start. Uh, I imagine Norlander will be the popular one in this tier because he's the name that people will recognize. Five cuts in a row. See, so yeah, did you did I hear you say you have a guy at the very very bottom? I
1: believe he's six thousand.
0: Oh, what? Do
1: oh, you guys want to guess? I mean. There's only it's, one guess.
0: It's it's either it's either the guy who has missed a bunch of. I mean, it has to be Rafael Campos.
1: Right? It's gotta be. It's Rafael Campos. Okay. <laughs> so I mean, that this looks is, pretty bad.
0: Yeah, but... I'm, I'm, I'm I'm waiting for the for the shoe
1: to drop here. <laughs> well, so I'm 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 trying I'm trying to see how far your chart goes back because Campos was let's see yeah. second at Corrales, second at yeah, sorry, third at the Puerto Rico Open. Uh, 20th at the Barbersaw, by the way, which is so recent for him, checks the box there. If you go back to the Valero, he was 34th. Now, he's missed cuts yeah. everywhere else. But remember when I said like there are certain guys, when they miss cuts, they can go really low, and then they have one bad round. Well, let, let me just give you a couple examples. At the John Deere, he shot a 74 and a 67. At the Wells Fargo, he shot a 69 and a 79. So it can go really mm-hmm. bad for him. But keep in mind, perspective-wise, he's 6,000. So he can make almost... I shouldn't say any lineup work, but he can make almost any lineup work. And he's shown you that he can finish top five in tournaments. And he's shown you that even if he doesn't play well one day, he can shoot low the next day. So to me, it's the exact kind of guy in a no-cut event you might want to lean on to gather guys at the top.
0: So my my cheat sheet cuts just short of... The runner-up at the Corrales Punta Cana Resort and Club Championship, the T3 at Puerto Rico, and then the week before that was a Corn Fairy Tour event in which he finished T7. So that, that is the stretch of results that Sia was referencing there. Okay, Greg, uh, your turn. $6,000 range.
2: What do you see, sir? Well, it sounds like I'm going to definitely play a lineup with Campos. Because uh, <laughs> okay. you're right. It's a it's a $6,000 piece, and there's at least something uh, mm-hmm. Although I don't really, I'm not, I'm not crazy about it, but you shouldn't, think man, I, I'm going to try. I mean, uh, it, it coming from you, Sia, I trust it. I'm going to give it a try, but my guy is a little bit different in this range. Um, and, and I like Norlander too. I totally see where you're coming from with that. I totally see where you're coming from with Ryan Fox. Uh, But I think uh, Anirban Lahiri is another, and excuse that pronunciation, but I I think he's another viable option. The Barbasol Championship, he came in tied third. A nice 65 on Sunday, which I really like. And he's popped on a couple of occasions throughout the year. The Valero Texas Open, he also popped and came in fifth place. Um, And at the first rendition of the Corrales Punta Cana Resort and Club Championship, he came in tied sixth. Tied 11th at the Bermuda Championship. He's played some really nice golf. And the other surprising thing about him is he's 30th on the PGA Tour in birdie average. So I think I find that to be quite interesting. He's not going to hit uh, – he is not going to hit 65 greens. Um, he's not going to hit 62 greens this week. But he, I think he could be a guy down here in the 6K um, that's a nice option. And I bet you he's less owned than – norlander oh by a mile
0: also the if you make nine birdies and nine bogeys a day and shoot even par and finish t37 might be worse than that t47 uh you will make a lot of fantasy points so those birdie makers Mm -hmm. are incredibly valuable in in a no-cut event here's my guy and i'm gonna mispronounce this so my apologies in advance adri arnis I believe is how he pronounces it. This is uh, the Spanish. Sounds right to me. There we go. The Spanish (laughs) representative. Here we go. How about this? He has a bunch of top 15s on the European tour. Uh, he is coming off two consecutive cuts made the Irish open and the Scottish open, you know, those get some better fields, but you look back at the beginning of the year, he had three straight top 15s at some of the premier events on the European tour schedule. So he finished T 10 at the DP world tour. That was won by Matt Fitzpatrick. Uh, he, he finished T 12 in Abu Dhabi, which that one was won by either Paul Casey or, I think that one was Hatton. I think that was Terrell Hatton. And then he finished T9 at the Omega Dubai Desert Classic. That was the Paul Casey victory. So you're talking about a guy, plays well, first page of the leaderboard in some of the deeper events on the European tour. I'm I'm grasping for straws at 6,600. Uh, I do not think this stage is too big for him. I'm going with Arnis in this range.
2: Don't hate it.
1: It sounds it's like personally. I don't hate it. There's Except- some
2: options, right? There's some options in the 6K range. Maybe these are just good sales pitches, but <laughs> yeah. I mean, there is there is a little bit of, at first glance. If you're just scrolling, you're saying, Whoa, this is, but you look a little deeper, and I think, uh, I think opportunity may be knocking. Mm-hmm. This is going to be fun.
0: I cannot wait for this. We're going to have someone, Don medals also here's what they do um i don't think this is gonna impact anybody in fantasy but did you know and i'm pretty sure about this or at least they did this in 2016 no matter how many guys tie for a spot as long as it's not first there's no actually i don't even know if they do a playoff but they, if if like five guys tie for third all five of them get medals all five get oh. medals. they don't break the tie anyway wow.
2: and there's no tiebreaker maybe for first.
0: But there is, at least in 2016, there was no tiebreaker. So if there were five, they got, I don't know, I mean, they got lucky that it was three guys stood alone, solo one, solo two, solo three, but I'm almost positive they do not break silver and
2: bronze ties. They may not, but I I thought I read, um, and again, who knows, but (laughs) I thought I read that they were, if there was a tie, they would go to a three-hole playoff. Um or some uh, a three-hole aggregate, but that might be that might just be for first. Yeah. I think it's just right. for gold. Yeah.
1: So Sung J and Siwoo will be in like a six-way tie for uh third T three, baby. T three.
0: T three would be like best <laughs> result. Let's go. Just you can you, can you imagine playoff?
1: if there
2: if there was a playoff for third and Song Jay and C si, uh and Siwoo were tied third? What that would, would be like the most heartbreaking
1: play down your club shot. if you're with uh, that guy? Just I
0: hate
2: to be down. that guy.
0: No, what? Jacob, come oh, on, we're no. having fun. So what, the tell, good, us, tell us what the facts are.
2: According to this Google search in 2016, there were, you know, if there were a tie for third or second, they would have gone to a playoff. Well,
0: mm. that's why I am not in the IOC golf committee. Yeah. <laughs> I well, no you're deal. spoiling
2: the news. Really? I, I I think uh, I really think there is. I'm pretty sure I read that there's a three hole a three-hole playoff to determine medals. There was, Playoffs? I think
0: <laughs> okay. How You're about me? this? How about this? Um, let's say someone's in solo third, final group, solo third, uh, one shot ahead of a pack of guys that include Siwoo and Sungjae and one shot clear. What if he miss, you know, intentionally misses a two foot putt to drop back into a tie for third for all of those guys? would they, would they would like name like an award after it? Like be like the sportsmanship award of, of all time.
1: That's the thing. Like if, if you have the accolades, or if you're like a Justin Thomas and you already know you're not getting the gold, like I'm just, I understand it's all psychological, but like if I'm getting in the mind of Justin Thomas, I'm like, I don't know that this bronze is that big of a deal to me. I could be kind of a hero to some people. <laughs> if I just hit this putt wrong. And in at least my made up scenario, you would just
0: drop to the tie for third and you'd still get your bronze. You just bring everybody else in with you
2: oh fair enough that'd be a really nice idea but i don't <laughs> think you're gonna have 25 guys on the podium i don't know um, well, we, we make up the
0: rules all the time around here why not
2: <laughs> if if there is um I, I don't think anybody can do that i i think you have to protect the field i mean i get it i totally get it but you got to
1: all know. I'm saying is everybody's different. Like, I agree with you, Greg. Universally, that's I think true. most people well, would be like, yeah, well, let's see. Exactly. Everybody's different. I just I think if you get in some of the minds of some of these guys who might not care as much as other guys because of all the accomplishments they already have, I, I could see somebody kind of pulling a fast one and just pretending they didn't pull a fast one in the first place just because. Yeah, that's
2: what well, I don't I definitely don't about. think anybody will admit it. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> I <laughs> missed that on purpose. Oh, so. I just
0: uh, <laughs> just whiffed that one. My bad. <laughs> Um, all right, gentlemen. So here's what we've got this week. Uh, Tuesday mega preview pot. Then we are going, how about this for commitment to international golf? We are going Sunday recap when it ends, which is going to be about, I don't know if we're going live. I don't know why. I don't know. Well, I guess we'll find out, but we're going to record that like 3 a.m. Sunday
2: morning, Eastern time
0: commitment to the game of golf. So that's what the content schedule is live.
2: Do it live. I'll do it live. I won't be there. So it's easy for me to say.
0: Uh, So we are going to rock and roll that. So that's what the content looks like for the rest of the week. Producer Jacob does all the hard work behind the scenes. Thank you, Producer Jacob. That right there. That's Sia Najad, who you can find on Twitter at Sia Najad. And Greg Ducharme, who you can find at The Real GFD. You can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been The First Cut, and we'll catch you next time.